Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to the Driving More Show, coming to you at 8 p.m. every single Monday. Ah, yeah. Sorry, folks. Not every single Monday. We're on a Tuesday of this week because, unfortunately, due to the storms and power code not being able to build a decent infrastructure, um, I've not had power for the last 24 hours. So, sorry, we're coming to you 24 hours late, um, but normally we are with you live on Mondays at 8pm. But, obviously, tonight it's a Tuesday, um, but uh, here still to talk to you about all of the uh, rugby. It's happy the weekend. We'll talk about the uh, Super Rugby semi-finals. Uh, there's also the um, Pacific Four series uh, and the uh, various Wallabies and All Blacks team announcements as well to talk about. And we, I say we, because I uh, am being joined by Arch. I'll leave, I'll leave him until second because he's still fiddling around with his camera. Um, but uh, Eamon, um, how are you doing, sir? Uh, g'day, Paul, and uh, thank you for inviting me on your show. It's uh... It's been a hell of a weekend of rugby, hell of a weekend of weather, and of course I'm looking forward to having a chat to you about uh, what's happened over the weekend and and to uh, to your followers here. That's good, and it's nice to have a, a professional actually logs on in time and has everything set up, unlike a certain Mr Stephen Harris. How are you doing, <laughs> Yeah, I'm having a shocker here this evening. <clears throat> I do apologise, everybody, but... I think I'll get there at some stuff. stage, Paul. Yeah, <laughs> as always, it's a privilege and a pleasure to be on your your uh, award-winning show, Paul. Award-winning show? Oh, wow, thank you. I'm not sure I saw what awards <laughs> we've got, but there we go. Um, <laughs> oh, dearie me. So, um, um, but, so, yeah, at the weekend, Stephen, so what what, uh, what rugby do, did you get up to out and about around the grounds to this weekend? Well, well as, as you know, I've been uh, following the uh, Goodyear Tyres Auckland Premier Men's uh, uh, Club Comp, and this weekend I got out to Orake Domain and caught up with the two top sides, uh, University and uh, Grammar Tech. And, of course, it was the uh, the visitors, uh, University, um, who got the win, and they remain the only unbeaten side in the competition. It was a really, really good game, and um, it was billed as a top-of-the-table clash, and uh, they played with uh, they played like two teams that are travelling very well at this stage of the competition. Of course, we're halfway through now, so um, for a lot of the teams that are uh, sitting around uh, outside the top, top uh, four at this stage, uh, there's plenty to play for. 
And folks, uh, you head over to our the New Zealand Sport Radio Facebook page and you can uh, catch some of Stephen's post-match interviews with uh, um, people like uh, um, ex-Auckland uh, John O'Hickey um, and uh, other people from that game as well. So uh, great to see um, Stephen uh, doing his good work, shining the light on club rugby. Um, but uh, Eamon, you've, we can see you've got your, uh, your Eden rugby jersey on there. Uh, you're you're a club rugby guy as well. Were you were you down the uh, down the game? The Absolutely, we were at Pride Ball, and of course, unfortunately, uh, we went down at the weekend. But I have to say, really played by the uh, Eden team. It's been a really tough year for us, and we're hoping for some results to go our way in suburbs this Saturday at Shadbolt Park. And anyone from Eden or suburbs that is uh, watching this uh, watching this podcast. Please get down there. It's going to be a fantastic game. Um, we went down 26 to 20 against College Rifles. Um, a special moment for one of our players, our captain, Jack Casey Pickering, um, earned his blazer for 50 games for Eden and, and made a really great speech. His parents were there to present him the blazer and, you know, uh, made a speech which really made me happy to be uh, an Eden person but a club rugby person saying how proud he was to play for that club. But hopefully we are on our way. But getting back to what Steve had, uh, the top four, I, I think Steve and I think the top four may be beginning to set in their ways with University, Grammar Tech, Macau, Ponsonby and possibly Maris maybe at the door. Yeah, but I'd, have to, I'd actually have to agree with I'd have to agree with you there. The, probably the one one team that I, I, I think everybody's just looking over their shoulder at at, at the minute um, is probably Ponsonby sitting there in third place. We know what a great year the Monaco Rovers are, are having as well. You know, and then you're looking at Mariston, fifth place, College Rifles. Oh, Mariston, uh, College Rifles on the same number of points, nine points. And, uh, of course, Pakuranga picked up a vital win over, over my mob, what a matter, the weekend. And um, East Tamaki still holding strong to that uh, eighth place. So uh, uh, for both the two uh, West Auckland clubs, Waitemata and Suburbs, um, yeah, they'll, they'll have to try and get into that winner's circle as soon as they can. Yeah, and uh, Stephen does, uh, does do a write-up of the... Um, yeah, I'd have to agree with you. Yeah, good, good, good year games as well on our Facebook page. Do check that out as well. Me, I was down at uh, Waihi Rugby Club running the camera for our Bs this weekend. We've got a good win over Cobras. Um, unfortunately, our As were did not have such a, a good away game against uh, Wanganata. Um, but uh, if you're around Waihi, we've got uh, a, Bs and As back to back this weekend um, at uh, uh, well at home. So come on down to the rugby club um, where I'll be doing, running the uh, running the video. Um, for that uh, for, for that team as well. So um, all of us out and about around the grounds and, uh, well, um, I think all of us probably watching the games from home or well, actually, I'll be honest, watch the Friday night game from home and uh, then I um, watched, uh, well, then I had too many beers and didn't watch the second semi-final at the, at the, uh, at the club rooms, um, but I have caught up on highlights of that. But on Friday night, we kicked off with um, the Crusaders um, beating the uh, the Chiefs um, twenty to seven, the Crusaders um, continuing their tremendous run of like forty nine game forty nine home finals games undefeated. Now I think it is uh, something silly like that. It's uh, it's, it's an amazing um, feat that they've uh, that they've got there. Uh, but um, the let's be honest, the Chiefs went down there early in the season and won the game 
but uh, they've not really been in good form in the second half of the season. Something's definitely not quite clicking um, at uh, the Chiefs. Um, and uh, whilst a lot of people have been pointing out that, look, Chiefs had 71% possession in that first half, they did. But if you do nothing with it, it's a total waste of time having the ball. Um, I mean, the Chiefs never really worked the, uh, the races this one, were they? Yeah, I, I, they, they had a lot of possession, Paul, but the, the big thing is, is that, yeah, the biggest thing I, I've noticed about that is, is that at this end of the competition, the Crusaders, the, the, they are, they're the team that always seem to come through. They have a way of um, of disciplining themselves when they come into this. Like Chiefs had, you know, I felt the uh, uh, uh Sinbin probably was a bit, was a bit unfortunate for for the Chiefs earlier on in that game. And I would have to say that uh, one thing about the Crusaders, what they tend to do is they play with a very, very good pattern, Paul. And what they and what we see from them is that attacking now from them. Like you've got a back three of Will Jordan, David Reese, uh whether it's George Bridge or Leicester, big Leicester on the wing. They they can attack any position or they've got a really, really They've got a solid pack, you know. Remember, they didn't have uh, Sam Whitelock there. Now, that any side that a big loss for the Staters, um, it, it tend they tend not to worry about it because they find someone new, and no wonder they're probably called the machine. And and I'm not saying that because I'm actually born in Christchurch. I'm saying that because of their structure. Um, I felt some of the performances, this good performance is probably unlucky. What's happened over the past rounds would be um, Callum Grace. I felt he had a fan game at number eight, and I was really impressed with Scott Barrett's leadership. And, you know, Richard Milwonga, just uh, he, he proves how good he is. No, absolutely. Um and the, uh, the, the everyone was keep kept throwing up the stats of, of possession and territory online. But I was saying, look, actually the stats want to look at the clean breaks because that's what mirrored the number of tries that were scored um, with uh, uh, four clean breaks to the, the Crusaders, just two to the Chiefs, and there were two tries to the Crusaders, one to the Chiefs, and that was. Uh, um, and yeah, it's what you were doing. What, what they were doing with the ball um, was um, was so much uh, was so much better. Um, the uh, and Stephen, any kind of general thoughts about the game before I've got a couple of talking points? Yeah, I, I just thought in terms of the Chiefs' attack, I actually thought at times it was it was quite frantic, and I almost got the impression uh, sometimes, especially close to the line, that they actually <clears throat> had the wrong ball carriers actually actually carrying the ball up. We all, we all know they're better ball, Takiaho, um, Sawakula, and of course Fino are very very good ball carriers, and I think you just needed. I think you needed those guys at least in channel one, channel two, get them get them running at backs. But I, I actually thought at times that their, their attack close to the line was really, really narrow and it made it quite easy for the Crusaders to defend or at least slow the ball down. Um, they're probably also guilty too of, you know what, in a tight arm, arm wrestle like that, sometimes you've got to take your three points that's on offer and uh, they – Turned down some kickable penalties, and we know that Detlin is an accurate goal kicker. So, so for me, you know, they they had the winning of the game, but um, 
listen, if you if you're not going to ask too many questions, despite all those tackles the Crusaders made, I, I, I was actually quite disappointed with their attack structure. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that was one of the talking points, wasn't it? That uh, we're hearing the comments, all all this, uh, um, uh, sorry, the discipline of the um, of the Crusaders is going to be a problem. It's like no, they can give away as many penalties as they like. If the opposition aren't taking threes, then that discipline is not an issue at all whatsoever. Um, yes, they gave away a lot more penalties, but if you're not going to take three and punish those penalties, what's the point? Um, so, I, yeah, some, I, I, yeah, not a fan of the, some of the commentary that we had on Friday night either. The, and then I guess the other one was um, the red card for uh, Matera for two yellows um now um what are your thoughts on this one boys did you do you think it deserves a red when his first yellow was a yellow because of um, multiple infringements by the team so it's more a team yellow and then obviously the second yellow was his own personal yellow should we be giving a red for two yellows if they're not personal yellows do we need the idea of a uh, a team yellow card and a personal yellow, yellow card um to, uh, to to stop this kind of thing happening Raymond, you said you might have some opinions on this one. I would so. say no. Yeah, I'd, I'd say no. It's basic. You get caught, you get caught infringing, you get a yellow card. You do what Montero done, you get another yellow card. That's a red card. The simple reason is, is that I don't believe if the was helping out his team, that's that's his disadvantages team on that. By doing that, maybe saving a try, but he still disadvantages the team. I personally feel that um, the first yellow card, yeah, it was a professional foul. He was infringing all the second one. Yeah, well, yeah, it had to be, it had to come and very, very likely, like we haven't heard what's happened from the judiciary at this stage, but I think it's very likely that um, we would probably, we probably will not see Montero uh, in the final this Saturday. So to me, I don't believe in the team yellow card. It's an it, it is a team game, but an individual makes that mistake. Okay, well, actually, um, from what I've read, um, uh, Matera's got off, so he he isn't banned for um for this weekend. From from uh, what what I think I've seen, um, I need to go and uh, I'll quickly Google to make sure I'm not um, mis misremembering something there. In that one, uh, because he was up to the judiciary for two reasons. One, obviously, because the automatic red card, but he was also up to the judiciary because he'd had four yellow cards this season. And after three yellow cards, you go, you have to go up to the judiciary. Now, two of his four yellow cards have been for repeat infringements um, by the team. But basically, two of his yellow cards have been team yellow cards rather than personal ones. Um, uh, so, hence on that kind of, yes, it was a yellow card, don't get me wrong. I'm not arguing whether it was yellow or not. It's about the, I guess, the secondary punishment that goes on top of that that I'm a bit concerned about because basketball does have the idea of team fouls um, and solo fouls. Um, so it doesn't surprise me that Matera got off. Um, but uh, um, Stephen, your thoughts on 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 this side on this, this concept? Yeah, I, I actually suspect that's why he's actually got off, um, got off um, getting any sort of um, sanction or, or, or suspension because they probably looked at it and viewed it as at, even though he's had four cards. A couple of those cards have been team cards. I think if it had been, say, for example, two high contacts, I don't think he'd be playing uh, this weekend as, as simple as that. Um, you know, after initially I thought 
oh, gee whiz, he might have dodged dodged a bullet. But you know what? I think it's quite exciting that he's that he's that, that he is going to be lining up in the final on Saturday. The um, yeah, I mean, the, the, and in fairness to him, he's actually been fantastic for the Crusaders this season. The um, so yeah, look, yeah, from, from what I'm seeing on Twitter, yeah, the the, the apparently yeah, he, he is available this um, um, this weekend, um, for for, for for that one. Um, the um, as I said, I don't, uh, I, I think the cards were both correct. It's just addition, the additional punishment. I'm uh, starting to think it's, a, it's something I came up with on on Sunday because I was sat next to a person who does actually defend players um, at these um, judiciary hearings, um, and he uh, he sort of talked me through. Um, some of it, so that's um, that's why I came up with the idea of perhaps having a team card. But we'll see. Um, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see if if that goes any further. Right? No, no one else has mentioned it, so uh, it's not definitely not in the, the public conscious idea. But um, just something that I thought about um, for this one. Um, so the Crusaders roll on and um, into that uh, the uh, so the, the game up against um, up against the Blues on the Blues one. As I say, I didn't actually watch the uh, the whole game. I've just um, watched the highlights, but pretty much a um, a game of two halves, really, um, with the uh, the Blues um, scoring all their points um, in the first half. And yeah, little trivia for you folks: all the points scored by New Zealand teams this weekend were all were all scored in the first half for the Chiefs, Crusaders, and the Blues. None of them scored in the second half. Um, so basically, uh, get along to Eden Park this weekend for the first half and leave at half time because the second half will be boring. Um, it's my uh, is, is my pro tip there. Um, but um, look, they got ahead and then allowed um, basically the uh, the Brumbies to uh, to come back in that uh, second half. Um, Stephen, did the Blues get a bit um, complacent and uh, perhaps switch off a bit? Well, to be brut- to be brutally honest, I'd, I'd hardly settle into my into my seat with my with my hot Milo on uh, a Saturday a Saturday night in Simone. Pretty much made a made a break, and it was really just a straight missed tackle at the end of the day. He pretty much went through um, uh, Stephen Perifeta, and uh, Adrian Choate obviously thought that Perifeta was going to make the tackle, and before you knew it, he he was gone, and it was a it was it was the best possible start for the Brumbies, and I and I just thought watching from watching from home, I thought, gee, here we go, we've we've got a game on our hands, but um, it didn't take the the, the Blues long. To get their game rolling, and once they, once they started rolling, you just thought it was a matter of, matter of time before they, you know, might pile it on. Didn't turn out that way. I mean, your thoughts on the uh, on the game? Did did the Blues? Well, yeah, obviously, did the Blues not? So, why did the Blues manage to get that roll on? Yeah, I just think they just um. I believe that they got into that lead and it's just that intensity at the end where they just lack that urgency to basically close out a game. And unfortunately, that, that's been the issue with the Blues in the past where they've had that issue of not closing down a game. Like, if they came very close for the, their whole season to end. I have to say, looking at it, they, they started off really well and I was uh, obviously both... Bowden Barrett was just fantastic at first five eight, but yeah, they were very very lucky, and and I believe there'll be a lot of work done this week at training. I believe Leon McDonough will be will be emphasising the to make sure that to play eighty minutes. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, um, it's especially when you when you when it's only half time and then to kind of switch off from there onwards is just not. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's, it's not a good idea. Let's be let's be blunt about this. Um, the uh, from the um, from the stats point of view, you can see the possession and territory both flipped around um, in that second half. I'm um, talking about Bowden Barrett, as you say. Um, yeah, he he uh, had a cracking game. Um, I mean, on the statistics side, was the only player to run for over 100 meters and 15 meters, 15 times running um, is nearly double um, anybody else in the. Actually, apart from Tom Robinson, who did 10. Um, but um, uh, yeah, he saw a lot of ball. Uh, he didn't play perhaps necessarily in a traditional um, 10 kind of style, uh, but uh, we know that's not always his style of play. But and um, uh, see them through there. Now, the talking point is at the end there. Oh, first off, um, uh, does Opa Tonga Fassi uh, get, uh, have to move to the back row because I'm uh, not be allowed to play prop anymore because he's charging down, um, charging down drop goals? I mean, that's, uh, I, I, Stephen, that's kind of not, I mean, that's, not, that's not what props are supposed to be doing, is it? Yeah, but, but, Paul, I was going to say, even before we, we got there, I think the Brumbies, to give them credit, at the start of that second half, <clears throat> just when it looked like the Blues were going to take control of that, there was a really great try-saving tackle on, on Bowden Barrett, which, for all money, looked like he was was going to score. And I think it might have been Tom Wright that, that held him up. might have been either Wright or Banks. And I think that just breathed a little bit of life into the Brumbies, you know, thinking, you know what, guys, we're, we're actually only not, we're actually only 27 down. We're actually only two converted tries back in this game. And I think what actually changed that second half was when, when Kurt Eklund was sent to the bin because all of a sudden the Brumbies started getting their game going. And I think more than anything else, they were actually winning the aerial battle in the second half. And whilst Bowden, did some really, really good things. I actually thought he should have kicked actually long as opposed to high because both Muirhead, Wright and Banks are really good under the high ball. And they were basically nailing everything that was going high, um, which was giving the, the Brumbies the opportunity to um, to basically pull a penalty and play the game down in the in the Blues half. And um, I just think when, that, uh, when Eklund got sent to the bin, I actually think... Of, um, a little bit of panic set him. Yeah, two yeah. cards not helping. Eamon, your, your thoughts on the um, on offer being allowed to continue on the front row? Yeah, uh, yeah I have to agree with you on that point. Yeah, I, yeah, I, well, yeah, I just felt with going back, going back to what Stevens just said, there was yep. a there was a bit of panic set him, and it was um, it just seemed you know, that that um. There wasn't somebody who was actually saying, trying to keep it calm. Stephen, I, I don't know how you felt. You guys looked at that. Yep, yep. I, 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 I agree with you. I, you know, just watching, watching it, watching it live, watching it live. I actually thought they should have been playing the corners, and forcing the Brumbies to actually kick out. But the fact, the fact that they were playing a lot of the game in between the two 10-metre marks. And if you've got a back three that handles the high ball quite quite well, they'll 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 run it back at you with interest. And if and if yeah. they can if they can hold up the Brumbies do mm. one thing really well. They can hold on to the ball for long periods. They will pull penalties. But 
<coughs> sorry, I guess that's a problem we've seen from uh, a number of sides in New Zealand. Right? In the fact that you think about the blues, sorry, think about the sort of you say blues here, black um, panics about a bit, a bit there. Um, we've got the Chiefs, who uh, when you when we took out Retallick, um, Sam Kane, Brad Weber through injuries, we saw how young that side was and how how it lacked the experience to deal with those sort of situations. Um, perhaps we've seen some uh, some some similar things down in uh, with the Hurricanes. Arnold Surveyor is not there um, leading that team. They kind of lack um, a little leash. Maybe that's a problem we have across quite a few of the Super Rugby teams is that lack of experience because a lot of the medium-age guys, as it were, he says as a, an old um, uh, head overseas uh, or people like heading overseas earlier, you don't have that depth of experience. You don't have those, those leaders there when things aren't quite going your way to drag the team around you. And I think that's uh, I say, perhaps a problem across a number of Super Rugby sides here in New Zealand at the moment because of the age of the teams. Um, okay, then, penalty then. Um, Australia doing the head-in, saying that uh, O'Keefe bottled the game. Experience side to out of it. Yes, sorry, I mean, you, 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 your connection is, uh, is, is a bit patchy, unfortunately. Um, yep, uh, Steve, Steve, you're... Okay, so I'll go, I'll go with Stephen, I'll go with you. Um, what's um, your, your thoughts on O'Keefe and whether he bottled it at the end there or not? Um, yeah, I, I, know, I know people, Paul, <clears throat> you know, you could pick out any incident in a game where a team was unlucky, but my philosophy is if you've, if you've, if something's, if you've, if a forward's pass been missed or if a penalty could have gone your way, um, during the, seven, the 75th minute of the game or the 76th minute, you've still got at least a couple of minutes to rectify or, or turn it around. But that that last um, that last decision when Romano were actually was taken down in the tackle, there were two Brumbies players immediately over the ball. For me, I, I think it. I think um, I think O'Keefe bottled it. It should have been a penalty. Uh, Eamon, your thoughts on uh, O'Keefe? Hopefully you're back. Yep, okay. Hopefully you can hear me a bit better now. Um, yeah, I'd have to agree with Stephen. Um, you know, that was a penalty. It was a penalty. It should have been it should have been given to the Brumbies and they can probably feel a bit aggrieved. But yeah, uh, but it's 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 like in any situation in a pressure shield, not only do the players sometimes make their mistakes, the officials make the mistakes. It's just, it happens in any game of rugby. But yeah, probably bottled it, but we've got to put it into prospectus. You know, but let's put a, put a, have a look at it. How many how many mistakes, how many decisions have been, bad decisions have been made in Super Rugby? Quite a bit. How many decisions have gone? I believe that, you know, we have to move on. I, um, and I, I believe that Ben O'Connor, like any other referee will look at it and go, yeah, I probably should have called that. Yeah, um, I've overheard some very experienced people talking about that game. Um, so it's off the records and sorry, I can't give you names, but they said, yeah, that they thought he bottled it um, as well. I guess my response, a bit like yours there, is look, um, if you're, leave, if, if you're um, leaving the game down to a referee's decision towards the end of the game, 
you've left it too late. And I don't think either the Blues or the Brumbies can have any complaints um, as to which way those calls go. If you haven't nailed the game yourself, you got to, um, then it, it's uh, then you've just got to live live, live with what as you say, live with the result there. Um, yes, referees make mistakes as well. Generally, less mistakes than the players do. Um, and um, yes, were the Brumbies um, unlucky in that one? Yes, they were. They'll get lucky on other days. Uh, it's just unfortunate that that was one of the the big showpieces. What does surprise me though is I think O'Keefe's um, been given the whistle for this for the final, which I thought after that performance was um, uh, a bit of surprise really on that one. But um, but there you go. Um, and, and, and Paul, I was about to say, um, quite quite interesting. You you, you could also um, you could also basically look uh, look at um, uh, when the Brumbies. I think when Lonigan scored his try in the 59th minute, um, Lolliseum misses a misses a conversion. So um, how how crucial was how crucial was that as as well? So yeah, you're you're, you're probably right. They they probably left points. On the on the table, uh, on the field, uh, big big your pardon. Yep, uh, and also leaving points. Yeah, so yeah, the Blues hundred percent kick success. Yeah, success uh, with um, and uh, yeah, Lawrence are missing a couple. The um, so um, Eamon, do you, do you think O'Keefe should should get the whistle this weekend? Uh, to me, I would probably would I wouldn't give him the ref. I wouldn't give it to him. I'd probably look to give it to maybe someone that, like Gardner from Australia, bring an independent in. Yeah, I I I, I agree. I agree with Eamon. Um The only other ref. I hope you guys hearing me because yeah, a little little bit in it, Eamon, But um, I I actually agree with, you with regards to. Um, Angus Gardner. The other person I would have looked looked at locally, and I think he's been very good, is actually Mike Fraser. So yeah, I think Angus Gardner. Remember, um, uh, there was a, there was a yep. big survey of all the New Zealand um, Super Rugby players, and they came back as he was their best referee a couple of years ago. So um, yeah, I, I, that's, uh, I think that, that that'd be a, a good call. Um, look, I don't think um, uh, I, think, I think the local referee, the New Zealand referees, would would still be. Uh, impartial from that point of view, so I'm, I wouldn't. So I'm not worried about in, uh, part, impartiality um, with uh, with uh, O'Keefe or any of the other players, but some um, other other any other referees. But I do think that would have been a better a, a better call. The other games at the weekend then was uh, the um, Pacific Four series that I got to um, another wet um, uh, wet day, and uh, boy, I do feel sorry for the um, Canadians, Americans, and the uh, Wallaroos coming over here and having to play, and also the Blackfans. And to play uh, in some atrocious weather, both um, last weekend and this weekend. Um, uh, oh, sorry, but just the nocturnal rights in the live chat goes, maybe Justin Marshall to ref. Uh, no, no, no. No. <laughs> no. Um, but we had uh, we had two two games um, at uh, the weekend, both the USA and Australia coming off the back of losses um, in their round one games. Um, uh, uh, um, played the uh, first game. Um, the uh, uh, USA against Australia. Interesting to see a number of the USA players take a knee during um, the uh, national anthem um, there. I guess it's something that we haven't kind of experienced over in this part of the world, but obviously it's been a big issue um, over in um, the USA 
over the last few years. But uh, um, so interesting to see um, that uh, uh, for, for, for uh, as, as an issue, uh, well, seeing that happen um, there. Um, the issuing, uh, the, the handling in the game was was, was a problem. Uh, but so look, it's been raining. It was a wet ground. Um, it was also very windy um, as well. The what I found interesting was how some of these teams are um, uh, uh, using this differently. Or I mean, the USA made 11 changes um, coming into this game. Now a number of those um, were coming from the um, because they they've not been available in the first game due to the uh, Premier 15s final in uh, the um, in England. Um, unfortunately, both the USA and Canada did not make themselves available for post-match interviews um, after this game, so I couldn't ask about the issue of club versus country. Um, and uh, I will follow up and try and get interviews with uh, Canada and USA to talk about that um, on that one. Um, Australia took a very different approach with only three changes um, in, uh, uh, in, in their squad um, for, for, for this one. Um, and I'm just going to play a, 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 a quick um, bit of the interview I did uh, with the um, uh, Australian head coach and captain um, the, uh, and uh, about that. And uh, coach, just three changes from, from last week. Uh, some of the other teams have, ch have changed their teams a bit more up. How are you using these games? Are you trying to do combinations? Are you looking at having a steady team? Selection throughout the th throughout the, th um, the the series. Yeah, my my focus is on rewarding our best team at the moment and what we feel is our best team. Um, the girls hadn't played a test match for for three years, and every test match is important. And we want to obviously try to develop the combos where we can and and keep that bit of stability in that there too. But again, the main focus is obviously rewarding um, our best twenty three each week. Last one from me then. Uh Um, World Cup. Okay, folks. Sorry, my uh, my computer just decided to freeze at this point, um, which um, is not good. Technical issues, not our bollocks. Well, it looks like we might have lost Paul there. Um, Amon. Looks like we have, actually. I hope, hopefully everyone's hearing me a bit more clear in there. I know that I've been having some real, real issues in the last hour, so that's why I've taken off the headset so that people can actually listen to me. So, yeah. yeah. But, yeah. No, no, definitely coming sure through. You, right. here, here comes Paul back on. Yep. Okay. I'm sorry, folks. We're not going to um, uh, clearly uh, putting the video up seems to kill um, my, uh, my, my 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 feed. So sorry, folks. I'm not going to include other um, videos I took from the weekend. Uh, if you head over to patreon.com forward slash NZ Sport Radio, um, I will put up the uh, post match interviews I had with um, uh, the Wallaroos, um, the post match interviews we did with um, the uh, Black Ferns, um, and then also. Uh, the post-match so, um, with Wayne Smith and the captain are gone blank as to her name, um, uh, uh, Demant. 
Um, also, I had a chat with um, uh, separate chat with uh, Tui, um, uh, Ruby Tui, that is, and um, uh, Letty Langi, the other winger, uh, who was a key player of that. So all those interviews will get put up on the Patreon, uh, on the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash NZ Support Radio, folks. Uh, so you can join for a dollar a month. Um, but sorry, obviously, it's causing technical issues bringing those up here uh, on this one. But my point was there that um, the Wallaroos are playing their best team for every single one of these games. Um, if you talk to Wayne Smith, um, he's basically still learning his squad and saying he's going to give everybody a chance. Um, uh, there's a real problem here, isn't there, that the, the, the back ferns are basically leaving this all a bit late when it comes to the, um, the Rugby World Cup. I mean, they are beating the Wallaroos, so they've got, they've got a better team, but um, not even knowing or, or giving everyone a chance still. Um, Stephen, that's going to be a bit of a worry for the back ferns. Yeah, it's probably a case of he's got really he's really got no choice. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Um, he's, been, he's been given the, the deck of cards that he's been handed out, and, he, and he's basically got to work with it. So he needs to have a look at a lot of these girls, see what he's got in his squad. You can see a, a couple of... Um, couple of girls that are standing up big time. Olsen Baker uh, at number eight is really, really impressing me. Um, I've watched some of the highlights of the game, Paul. What I, what I am seeing, a couple of things that um, that they're going to come under a lot of pressure when they come up against uh, the bigger teams like England and France is def- defending that driving more. Um, that's that's going to be a tough one. They gave a lot of penalties away, you know, coming, coming in from the side because they're probably not at if you, if you think of the FPC, the Farrah Palmer Cup, we don't often see that style of play, play Paul. So when, you, when you've actually got to defend it, I'm not too sure ladies, ladies, ladies really know what to do. Um, the other thing is just in and around their micro skills, Paul, and uh, what, I'm, what I'm talking about is the a, is a simple, you know, things like draw and pass, accuracy in the, accuracy in the pass, hitting the chest, you know, just, just really the basics of the game. You know, the classic example there where there was a, a really good set-piece move that set uh, Letiaga down down on the wing. And she had three people inside of her. And it was actually just a straight straight left-hand pass and shift, and they would have scored under the post. Now, really good teams are not going to be as forgiving. I know it's a little bit harsh, and he's trying those com- combinations. But I think those are the micro skills, if you're actually wearing a black jersey, that you just naturally expect, guys. And look, I mean, having been at one of uh, so Wayne Smith came and did a couple of coaching sessions with um, Waihi Rugby last season. So um, I've, I've seen him 
uh, sort of coaching um, uh, players before. Now, obviously, at a totally different level um, to this, much lower down. Um, but it was interesting to hear during the um, uh, during the press conference that uh, he was talking about one of the things we were looking at was basically making sure they look at the person more um, before they make that passing decision. Um, and um, you can see that, yeah, he, as you say, it is though that he is clearly concentrating on those sort of details. When I watched it, I say when I watched him train why he it was again, even though at a much lower level, he was still looking at those small details, the small way that you can make the improvements. So clearly that is part of what they are, what he's looking at um, as, as part of his coaching um, for this one. Uh, it is a very young team uh, and he has brought in a lot of changes um, from the, from uh, uh, for, for the, it, this this year. Um, but as also you'll hear if you listen to, if you listen to that what the the um, Wallaroos uh, um, interview that, that we did, uh, he talks there about the fact they hadn't, they didn't have any game any test matches for three years. Um, it's yeah these are COVID has caused a, a much bigger issue to the women's international game than it has to the men's uh, and it's, it's been very disruptive, um, which is yeah leading into the World Cup the teams aren't where they want to be. Um, I don't think. Um, a couple of interesting things that you spot if you're at the ground. Uh, so there is a new World Rugby regulation that's come in at the beginning of June, um, or for any tournaments that start off in June. Um, you're not going to see water carriers running on the pitch as much. Um, all the uh, players were running to the sideline to get a drink of water um, after after tries and things. Were running. As that's what they now have to do. They're not allowed to. They're not allowed to have quite as many people running on the pitch um, carrying water. Um, thank you, Razzie, for uh, causing that uh, law change. Um, and uh, one of the other things was it was interesting hearing the announcer. Now, one of the things about watching rugby in, in New Zealand is that you're used to people booing kicks um, and that kind of thing. But the, the announcer um, actually. Um, was telling the uh, fans to cheer positively for both sides, um, which I found an interesting uh, uh, an interesting way. I'm not sure that that's um, uh, I don't know if they're trying to drive a different culture in um, in women's sports or women's rugby, but that's really I don't know any sport in the world where you get the fans cheering positively for both teams um, as uh, on there. So I think they're perhaps fighting losing battle um, with um, um, with that one. Um, they, look, I mean, New Zealand will be happy that they milled Canada, so they'll be happy with their defence. Um, but as you say, um, perhaps some of their they, they really piled the points on that last um, twenty minutes, which is where uh, Canada got tired, um, and the, the Blackfins are not going to get their opportunity to do that against teams like England uh, and France because they will not tire in the same way. Um, and that's an unfortunate moment we are comparing. Um, everybody's winning in France because those are the top two teams who I think we're expecting to meet or in the final or if they don't effectively their semi-final will be the final um, uh, are you, are you, were, you, were you about to say something there Stephen or were you yeah I was I was just going to get I was just going to get Amon's thoughts on on, on something it, it's, it's interesting to me that Wayne Smith is actually working with these girls with them Micro skills, they're simple, they're simple draw and pass. I, I just wonder if rugby union should get Wayne Smith involved and to basically run seminars with all the FPC coaches because 
having been at a lot of the FPC games, I can see sometimes the micro skills are not where they should be. That the accuracy, the accuracy of the pass, um, some of the play in and around set pieces is probably not where it really should be. Because I think if you need if you need to advance the game in this country, those skills have got to be way better. Do you agree, Am? Absolutely, Stephen. You know, you have a look at it like the skills, the skill set which we used to see, let's say twenty five years ago, where you had a simple game, isn't actually there anymore. And whether um, whether we have these great new ideas and these visionary coaches, but we need to get back to basics. Not only in women's rugby and NPC rugby, we need to be. It needs to be coming into secondary school rugby. You know, I could go and watch a game and some of the school levels fantastic, but some of the basics is absolutely shot. You know, drop balls, um, simple stuff. I believe has been these coaches that are coaching. The um and I think we've probably seen that I say more on the um uh on the men's side and women's side. Uh, the actually amongst the sevens, we've seen the, the the school level go up, and perhaps we need to see the same thing happen on the fifteens um, side of things. Um, something was, that was that I heard off camera, so I'm not sure how kind of official this is, but um, the women's sevens team um, I, will, will be in a couple of, uh, or the world players will be available for a couple of camps of the fifteens, but I think they only join um, the fifteen squad a couple of weeks before the um, rugby world cup happens itself. And that's going to make it very, very hard um, for them to be selected for the uh, for the Black Ferns Rugby World Cup team because um, at the moment there's a lot of work going on um, around culture, um, around the family nature of this team, which we'll see again. You'll hear if you go, you go into some of those interviews. Um, and uh, so players like Kelly Brazier, Portia Woodman, um, coming into this setup late. Uh, it's going to be very difficult to see. Uh, well, we'll see how many of them actually do get selected um, and how many of them uh, get, well, uh, and if they even get available as, as sort of starters um, or not on that one. Um, on the... Sorry, uh, sorry, sorry. Yep. Just getting back to that. Sorry, Paul, can I just... Just getting back to what you were saying, it really makes you wonder, like, should... In a, in, a, in a whip year, what is your commitment to 15s or is it to 7s? It really should be towards the 15s game, especially when the tournament's here. You know, I can understand in an Olympic year where they, and in a Commonwealth Games, obviously we've got the Commonwealth Games, but in a World Cup year, this becomes so vital that we have to have the best players available, whether they're playing 7s or 15s. And I guess part of the problem here is going to be contracting the fact that the, the girls earn their money as sevens players. They they still don't earn their money as fifteens players. So if 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 um, if New Zealand rugby wants all their best players to be available for the Rugby World Cup, they need to pay them to be available, uh, not try and pay them to be do something else. Um, one of the yep. interviews I'm trying to get at the moment is with the new head of women's rugby yep. at New Zealand rugby to ask her what is the New Zealand rugby's long-term plan is the pinnacle of the game fifteens, or is pinnacle of the game sevens? Because historically, it's been sevens, and fifteens is a um, a lower thing. Whereas in the men's game, 
the pinnacle is 15s and the sevens is more of a feeder. It's been the other way around the monies. Is what what is the long term view? What which one is the important one? Because as you say, you can't have them both being. You can't you can't concentrate on both. It doesn't work. Um. So hopefully, such wood. I'll get that interview at some point. Um, on to the uh, international squads there. Now, first up, um, the Wallabies should not be announcing their squad an hour before the Wallaroos kick off a rugby game. It's a farce. If you're trying to grow women's game, you can't do that. Um, Jamie Wall has written an article in um, uh, the uh, on rnz.com or .co.nz, where it is, saying that, uh, look, the this week should be concentrating on the Super Rugby final. Why are we announcing the All Black squad this week um, and detracting uh, media attention away from Super Rugby? Um, why not wait till next week to announce it? Sure, the players can go into camp, but um, let them go into camp, do the, do their camp thing that aren't obviously in the final, but let don't do announcements this week, do it next week. And I must say, um, look, I don't agree with everything Jamie says, but on that one, uh, I totally do. Um, I think the uh, the uh, that's um, yeah the New Zealand uh, rugby Australia and New Zealand rugby have both missed a uh, have, have both made mistakes in their media management this week. Um, boys, do you agree with that one, or do you think that uh, that that naming the All Blacks this week isn't actually a distraction from Super Rugby? Um, I, I think I think you're right about the timing of the the naming of the Wallabies. Um, Especially on the back of the Waller, of the Wallaroos playing, I, I think their I think their timing um, was pretty poor. Suffice to say, uh, looking at that that Wallaby squad, it's it's a it's a good squad. I've got no qualms with some of the guys that have um, that have, that have missed the team, the, the likes of Isaac Rodder, Reese Hodge. He's kind of Reese Hodge is kind of reminds me of a of a player who's probably level is is more Super Rugby than than anything. I've seen him have opportunities. I don't know if he's got a, a lot of X factor. He does most things right, but um, the the fact that they've been able to bring the likes of sort of Karevi, Koriabeti, and um, and uh, Quade Cooper back into the team, well, this is another year later, and they're going to be a year better in my my opinion. My opinion. Um, uh, one player I am really excited about that they've actually brought into the side is um, uh, Suliasi Vunivalu. Um, he's looked really impressive for the for the uh, for the Queens and Reds coming across from the Melbourne Storm, and he looks like he's just finding his feet. Feet, and I thought one of the best stories um, of this uh, of this Wallabies team is Caden Neville at what is it, thirty three years old, um, making the making the Wallabies. Um, a lot of people would say, "Gee, that's a little bit long in the teeth," but um, I think he's been one of these players that has always been there or thereabouts. Um, but I think he's had a and probably deserves it. And also, I've got to say, Jed Holloway from the uh, from the Waratahs has been really, really impressive with uh, with with ball and good ball playing lock as well. Uh, Amy, you were saying um, pre-show to me that you thought the Wallabies were going to be putting together a very, a very strong uh, strong team. You agree with Stephen? Are you happy with this squad? I think I think that I think they've got they've got they've got a really really good squad to work on, and you know you have a look at the average A's. It's still a very very young squad, and 
you know, Dave Rennie is, you know, give someone from outside a bit of a go. I believe that the Wallabies are going to be a re- really tough for the All Blacks this year. I'm not saying that they're going to win the Bettersweek Cup, but they are going to they are going to test us, and they've tested us for the last few years. And I, I just believe that, you know, like some of the names that are coming through, like Jed Holloway, that guy's had a fantastic season. You know, you've got Michael Hooper there. You've got that experience. Lachlan Lonergan, I'm a big fan of his. I've been a big fan of his since he started playing for the Brumbies a couple of years ago, and I was so impressed with him on Saturday. So, yeah, I think this Wallaby size is, is a damn good side, Paul. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, the, I guess, big big thing here, obviously, uh, well, is that uh, they've got two forwards um, fronting up on the uh, on the on the photo there, which is which is unusual. Um, but the big question I think really has to come down to: um, are, are you guys a shirt out Michael Hooper kind of guy, or are you a shirt tucked in um, Tanaleo Tupo kind of guy? What's uh, which? Uh, do you believe players should tuck in, or do you believe are you, are you a, a shirt out um, guy, Stephen? I'm I'm definitely a tuck in. If you've got your shirt hanging and um, somebody's making a last ditch tackle. I've seen actually guys just grab the back of the shirt and just do enough to uh, to pull a player down. So um, I always like my players to have their shirts tucked in, unless um, unless they're um, a bit big around the uh, the midriff. Well, there's not a lot you can do really. Well, I'm, I'm a shirt out Hooper kind of guy. Eamon, are you, you're going to have to be the deciding vote <laughs> here. Absolutely, absolutely shoot out because. Um, uh, as, as I've got older, my body shape has changed, and believe me, I can no longer because it doesn't look like um, – I don't look like a, a very handsome man, and in fact, it's quite scary to a lot of people, so definitely shoot out. There we go. Okay, so there you go, folks. You've got the um, – as, yeah, as not trying to get two food, touch and go. Um, oh, see, so he's going to be fishing up the shoes. Not, okay, not, not, not pushing up to wear the way his shirt's in. Okay. Um, that, so, yeah, we'll have to – look, Tupo's a massive person, uh, player for them. Um, one thing I did find interesting was the breakdown of where the players are from. 15 for the Brumbies. thought the Brumbies had a good season. I expect that. Seven from the Reds, six from the Waratahs, four from Rebels, three from overseas. No players from the Western Force at all, which I think is, um, is disappointing. Um, I think we need representation from, uh, from the, the Force also um, to be in there. Uh, now I expect them to be involved in the um, the Australia A team that are heading over to the Pacific Islands to play against Fiji, Samoa, and Tonga. Um, but still, surprise that there's no th- nobody there from the uh, Western Force. Probably got a bit more to say on the All Blacks um, squad um, there. Um, just quickly running through it for those those people that are on the. Um, uh, listening to the podcast rather than watching the video. Um, Dane Coles, Somersoni Takelaho, and Craig Taylor um, are the um, hookers. Um, obviously, uh, uh, well, actually, we'll come back to that. Uh, in the 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 um, uh, props, got Bauer, Lualala, Aiden Ross is the um, uh, is a debutante to Arvo, um, Tuna Cafe, and Offer Tonga Fussy. In the locks, Barrett, Lord, Britannic, Ba'ai, and um, Whitelock into the Lucy's, and you've got uh, Kane and Papi Leahy, Iwani and Satu, uh, and um, 
uh, and Surveyor, and then Sotsutu and Sorakula. Sorakula in there for the first time. Uh, into the uh, backs, and we've got Christy, Fakatava, and Smith. Fakatava there for the first time. Barrett, Mwanga, and Perifeta, another debutante in Perifeta. In the centres, Goodhue, Havili, um, Rico Iwani, Tuavasashek, and Tapaya, obviously Tuavasashek, a debutante. Interesting that uh, Rico is in there as a centre. And then as the uh, in back three, Barrett, Clark, Lester Fanganuku on debut, Jordan and Sevu Reese. Starting off with the forwards then, um, Stephen, uh, in our live chat, you've had, uh, uh, you've been a bit surprised by some of the props in there. I'll be honest, I'm a bit surprised Dane Coles is in there. Um, you mentioned an old player joining the Wallabies. Eklund's an old guy, so or would he be considered too old? Let's say you you were you you mentioned something about some of the some of the uh, props you weren't happy with. I, I, just before I mention that, I, I'm going to mention something. When everybody when anybody normally asks me about an, an All Black squad, I always sort of look at an an All Black team that um, that basically where where the where the players sit. Order and where I'm going with this, I had a quick look back at the 2015 All Black team that won the Rugby World Cup. And if you quickly go through that through that team, that whole team, especially the playing 15, every player in that side, whether it was from Ben Smith to Joe Moody, you could arguably say we're in the top two or three, two or three, one, two, three, maybe four positions. In the world, you go through at least four trio: Kieran Reid, but four Kaino just alone. You know, Retallick and Whitelock won't go through all of the team. But if you look back at that team, they were all simply world class in their top three positions. If you world teams, those guys would walk in. And even on the bench, they had Bowden Barrett on, on on the bench, Sonny Bill Williams, and and Charlie Farmuina, who I actually thought was probably at the time one of the ball, best ball playing loosehead props in the world. Now, when I look at this current All Black team, the first thing that stands out to me in the pack, who are your world-class players? And the, if you're looking at the front row, the props especially, who are your world-class props that you actually have in that front row? So for me, I'm, I'm a tad disappointed. Listen, it's, it's been well publicised, Carl, to Nukuyafi has taken up a contract in in France. To be brutally honest, I, I would have been looking look I would have been looking somewhere for that for that uh, tight head spot. I've been really impressed with Fred Fletcher Newell from the Crusaders. You know, he's just been a rock for a young guy on that right hand side of the scrub. And it's somebody yep. somebody you could develop. Beg your pardon, um Carl's a loose head. But Ethan De Groot, um, I've heard since heard stories there could be a little bit in and around his attitude and his fitness. But you know what? This is why you bring these guys into the in, into the All Black camp. Just on the um, on the front row, Dane Coles, I actually agree with having Dane, Dane Coles because I think against the Irish, against the Springboks, I think you're going to need hookers that are experienced and got a bit of edge. I have a funny feeling one of the reasons that the likes of uh, Asafo Amua missed out is basically in and around his scrummaging. With regards to Kurt Eklund, well, to be honest, if you are going to go for a 33, 30 year old, 30 plus, I'd rather go for an experience. Aaron, thoughts on uh, what Stephen said? 
Um, I, I can't disagree. If a player's going to take over in France, he's not going to be there. Agreed. Fletcher Newell, he's a part of the future. This is the time, and I know, it, I know it's where South Africa these guys into the squad because they become important not only for next year, but when we focus towards 2027. We need to, we're looking at this all black squad, to be quite honest with you, there, there isn't any, I suppose, real bolters. Uh, it's pretty much what we expected. But, you know, I felt Ethan's group definitely must be, would have to be um, aggrieved. Uh, when it comes to, I tend to, I've, I've found that, you know, we need to start finding a different food hooker. And Coles, while he's been a great servant of New Zealand rugby in the last few years, at times has tended to give away silly penalties, tended to get simbed a lot. I just I, I believe that we need to actually start looking for a third hooker now. Where that third hooker is, whether it's Samoa, I felt Kurt Eklund's had a fantastic season for the Blues. And we we let, let's have a look at the difference here. Dave Rooney can pick a 33-year-old and the Wallabies. Why can't we look to bring someone like Kurt Eklund? Because throwers, you know, we all know what front rowers are. They don't mature until they're until they're early thirties anyway. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised I don't call but I do understand Stephen's point that yeah, that if you're going to have the old guy, have the old experienced guy. Um, but I'm a bit surprised Dane Coles has held his thing because lack of rugby, I don't think has been performing. Um, but I think it does mean that some um, and um, in, in the live chat, Nocturne writes says Foster and Co doubling down. And I think they have doubled down here. That yeah, if you were going to give uh, Eklund a chance at the next Rugby World Cup for 2023, you get him in now. And clearly, they've said no. We're taking Coles to the Rugby World Cup, which yeah, I think is a is a risk um, from from that point of view. On the yeah, I mean, um, I mean Lo is another one that's not being mentioned um, in those uh, in those products. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think Coles should be there because he is heading overseas um, on that one. So yeah, I think we're, we're all in agreement on that that they've got that wrong. Into the um, into the locks, uh, I think it's pretty much what we would expect. Patrick Tupolotu is not available. We um, came back from Japan. He has to play some MP Bellings MPC first, um, but he I expect him to come back into the squad at some point probably. Um, but uh, otherwise, I think look, that's what you'd expect. Not sure much to say in that space, um, but uh, especially as we're running over, over an hour um, into the loose forwards though. And I named them as Kane Papilihi, um, Awani Surveyor, and Satutu Sorakula because I think that's what you've got. You've got two sevens, two sixes, and two eights in there. Nocturnal Right says um, they look unbalanced, but I don't think so if you do that um, from that point of view. Eamon, you happy with those forwards, or would you have had someone like Jacobson in there? Um, I, I felt Jacobson, possibly Callum Grace, but. Looking at that loose forward trio, it, it makes you wonder which, when when we uh, take on Ireland on the 2nd of July, where he's going to go for, whether he's going to put Adi Severe at number eight or whether he's going to have two open side flankers running tandem, whether he's going to have Sam Kane and Dalton Papalihi instead of your traditional right side flanker having a left and right flanker on there. Um, as far as... Uh, Gasula, 
him, I have to say, he's been the, the start of Super Rugby. He was knocking on that door. Um, he's he, he often what the others. He's very athletic. And maybe maybe introducing him into the series where where the Irish probably won't expect him could could be could be planned part of their master plan. Yeah, I think it'll be Kane at um, seven and Ice Rare at six with either Satutu or Sokula at eight. Um, that's that's how I read it in this one, but I could be wrong. Stephen, your thoughts on the um, the loose loose forwards? So Akula is actually a really su- surprise to me, and it does make me wonder if the um, selectors are scratching their head now about Adi Adi Savia. They've they've invested him as a number eight for the last last couple of seasons, and I actually think they're actually having second thoughts is one of the reasons why they bought Sawakula. I know his his form's probably commanded a place, and 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 listen, he's he's huge. You'll get you over the advantage line. He'll give you give you go forward, but you know what? It's it's kind of left for me. It's left more more questions than answers. Yeah, interesting. I'm trying to think it's going to be Dalton at six and Sevilla at eight. Um, but uh, we will see um, about that. Um, I had a chat with Pritzko Sarakula after his fifty caps um, available over there on Patreon.com forward slash NZ Sport Radio. Um, into the then. Christy, Fakatava and Smith. Um, I was surprised Weber wasn't there, but um, uh, and I'm a bit surprised that uh, Christy is. But he has been the form, um, one of the form nines uh, in this competition. And clearly Fakatava is your pick for the future. Um, and I think we've got a similar sort of situation with the tens in Barrett, Moanga and Stephen Perifetta, with Perifetta, the person for the future. Uh, Eamon, thoughts on the halfbacks um, in there? Any, any issues with that? Uh, I'd have to, yeah, I'd have, I'd, yeah, I would say that I'd have to agree with you there. I felt it was very, very unlucky. I felt Christie's service on Saturday was quite slow, and I think Weber's just got that little bit more pace. You can see where they're going to go with that team, whether they, where they're going to start with Aaron Smith, and then bring on Falatel Fakataba for that intensity. So yeah, um, TJ Perinara. I think TJ would. Um, I think TJ would possibly admit that he wasn't playing the best rugby, and he'll probably come through through the um, which will be named tomorrow. But yeah, I would have gone for Brad. Hey, Stephen, I think we all knew TJ was not going to get picked. Uh, are you happy with that? Um, with those nines and tens. Yeah, I've, uh, to be honest, I've got no issues with it at the end of the day. I know uh, Christy didn't have a great game on Saturday night, but defensively, he uh, he had a great game. There was one tackle that comes to mind. I think it might have been on uh, on Brown, the replacement uh, flanker, uh, which, which pretty much saved a certain try at the, at the time. And he does put a lot of uh, defensive pressure on the uh, on the number number eight, and I think that's one of the reasons why they. They actually, they actually do like him. With regards to Brad Weber, who's unlucky, um, not one hundred percent sure if he's, he's if he's played for the Maori before, or indeed if he is Maori, um, and if he is, that might be his his opportunity, especially with their two tests against Ireland. Um, yep, and uh, on that note, I'm trying to get some. I've been told I've probably got a good chance of getting uh, media access to the 
um, Ireland versus Mary All Blacks at in Hamilton. So hopefully we'll get there. Yeah, seven caps for Mary All Blacks for um, Brad Weber. So yeah, Weber and TJ, I can see both being there. Okay, um, the problem area, the centres, um, <laughs> with um, Goodhue, Havili, Rico Awani, Tuivasa-Shek and Tapia um, in there. Um, on my, uh, um, from, from my point of view, um, I mean, RTS should be in as a training squad person. I don't think he should be there as a full cap person. Um, I'm surprised Havili is in there. I don't think he showed enough last year um, as a, um, uh, a, a international level. And um, I think Omanga Jensen down at the Highlanders uh, can be very unlucky uh, at missing out on this one. Um, because I think he is that kind of big guy, that battering ram that we perhaps miss um, in the centres at the moment. Um, and Rico, oh, dear me, I still think he doesn't pass enough. Stephen, uh, yeah, this is a, uh, to me, this is, yeah, enigma, a conundrum, a, uh, a mess. <laughs> um, yeah, I, 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 th I think Paul, one of the reasons that um, Harvey is in there is primarily because Ant Anton Leonard Brown isn't there. I, I, I just suspect that um, when uh, Roger Tuovasa-Shek signed to come to to uh, to rugby, I think they, they probably thought, listen, we'll take a punt on this guy, um, see how he goes on in, in, in super rugby. And I think he, pro he probably just did enough, you know, did enough to of a mark to, to actually uh, impress the selectors. One thing that Roger Tuovasa-Shek does really, really well, he seems to know how to step step into, uh, you know, or find a weak shoulder. And he's really strong um, post contact as well. Does really well to stay on his feet. And I think that's what they they like about him. So they will they will work with him. Um, somebody like Jack Goodhue, oh, just struggling to find his form. But like you say, that was a pretty long-term injury he's he's come back for. And, and there's your answer just there, why Harvelli's definitely last year. He's experienced. Um, with regards to Rico Ioani, uh, for anybody who's listened to the Ian Foster podcasts, I think he's probably turned um, Ian Foster. But I'm I'm a little bit, bit like you, Paul. Oh, man, I'm not I'm not totally not totally convinced. Aaron, your thoughts on the uh, the centres and uh, is um, Thomas Manga Jensen unlucky? Okay, sorry, Eamon, but we've uh, kind of lost you again. Okay. And then finally, even said Roger Pardon? Yep. Sorry, Eamon, I think we're we're we're, we're, we're Okay, anyway. sorry. So just getting back, saying was he 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 probably had the. The um, sorry, but unfortunately, Eamon's uh, connection is a bit too, too dodgy. Finally, then we'll just wrap it up. Then, Aim, look, the back three I think um, Barrett Clark, uh, Fanganuku, Jordan Reese, we're happy with that. Um, Bridge has been dropped, unsurprisingly. Fanganuku's come in, um, and uh, with um, Wes Houston heading overseas, uh, look, I'm um, Talia, um, I don't think can force out any of these players, but maybe be a bit unlucky to me. That, that, that those those five pretty much pick themselves in. 
Yeah, I, I, I think you're. I think you're right, Paul. You know, really looking the whole squad. Probably the only real, real surprise I, I reckon was probably Gus Stawakula. We thought we thought he started the super season well, and we kind of we kind of wondered if he he'd maybe just fallen away by playing so so many minutes. Um, if you probably really look at it, at the end of the day. He's really, he's really the to me the only surprise in, in the squad. It's it's pretty close to what what I would have picked. Yep, um, folks. Uh, the other person that perhaps um, is Damon McKenzie, but he again can't be selected until he plays some Bunnings NPC. So expect to see him back potentially uh, drawing the rugby championship. Thank you all for joining us. We've overrun. Um, it's uh, been a lot of rugby to talk about, uh, and uh, obviously Super Rugby final coming up should be a cracker up there at Eden Park. Uh, it's looking like a sellout. Wow. A sellout in Super Rugby. It's a fantastic thing to see. Something we've not seen for a long time. I'm very happy that it is happening. Um, so if you get a ticket, you've been lucky. If not, then obviously watching it on Sky is the second best thing. And uh, everybody have uh, a safe and wonderful week. I'll be back tomorrow night with the standoff show, talking all things NRL, um, as the boys um, have, uh, uh, well, they stress about Sharknado. Um, as the, the Warriors were taken out by the Sharks at the weekend. Uh, and will the, will the Warriors win another game this season? We'll have to wait and see. Um, but so it's not looking good. Catch you all next Monday, 8pm, for the Johnny Moore Show. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 